Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Broken and Beautiful, the podcast. I am your host, Amber Christian Stewart. again, I would like to thank all of our listeners. Your support means the world to me. Please get yourself out there. Tell all of your friends and family. We want as many people as possible to listen and learn as we grow together. We also have a new feature that we are offering. If you would like to support our podcast financially, you may do so by going to our listener support page which I will have listed in the About section of this episode. Obviously, you do not have to financially support me in this endeavor, but any help is much appreciated, as it takes a lot of time and energy and resources to create this podcast for you. So... With that being said, let's just jump right in to today's topic, which will be on perseverance and relying on others. Now, I realize that at face value, the two topics may sound mutually exclusive, but they're actually not. Because although perseverance is essential and necessary to live abundantly in almost every aspect of life where we have to persevere. We also rely on other people. And perhaps you don't see it that way, but let me just give an example. Anybody who works a job is relying on their boss to pay them. Every week. On the other end of it, your boss is relying on you to show up or do what you're supposed to do and put out on top. So really, relying on others and focusing on perseverance can go hand in hand. The first things we are just going to jump into are two misconceptions that we do every week because people seem to have a lot of misconceptions about people who have disabilities. And this is where we try to show them in the light and teach you how they are not sure. And so the first misconception that several people have about people with disability and, and this one tickled me because I just want you guys to know that I'm not making this up. I am finding these on the world wide web if you don't believe me without yourself. But I didn't just make this up. This is something that people actually believe. believe that God will help you if you help a disabled person. I kind of feel like, um, Christina Aguilera right now, like, 
Ajá, sí, sí. Es abajo. Ya se va a hacer eso mal. Oye, no. Oye, yo voy a decir. No. Sí, oh. Ay, no. This is so far off, please. No, wait a minute. If you want to help his disability, you are probably a wonderful person. And I thank you for doing that. But it's not sometimes a reward. Especially if you just go outside today and help somebody in a wheelchair get to the house. Like, it's, it's... It doesn't quite work like that. I, I love you guys. I'm just keeping it real. Here's like, no. Another misconception that many people have about those with disabilities is that people with disabilities always need assistance and able-bodied people are more than happy to help them. Now, I'm not saying that this isn't true, like, Maybe you are one of those people who just really love to help people in the disabled community. If that's you, major props to you right now, I think that's amazing. However, this misconception gets a little dicey, and let me tell you why. Some people love to help people who have disabilities. That's right. However, you might not know how to help those people with disabilities. So don't just jump in and start doing something. You should be hurting that person or doing something that they don't be help with. For instance, one day I was at the hospital and I was getting in my van to go home. And I was having a hard time driving it up the ramp to get in the van because it was messed up and there was something wrong with the motor. And this man, who was very sweet and precious and I just love him, he came up to me and in his mind he was helping me. But he started pushing on my wheelchair. Well, first of all, that chair is 300 pounds. You can break your back trying to put that chair up a hill. Second of all, it wasn't moving. The chair is power steering. So pushing it isn't actually helping me. Not only that, but my chair costs more than several people cars that it pays for. It's a very expensive wheelchair, very customized to me. It's been Push on a certain part, you'll break it. Don't push on that chair. I understand that that man was trying to help and it was very sweet that he did, but in the end, he put him in the hurting himself. And then I would have felt like a smut because it's my chair. So if you really want to help somebody with a disability, the best thing for you to do is go up to them, look them in the eye, and say, hey, how can I help? And I'm sure they will tell you. And sometimes they might say, I'm okay, I'm, I'm trying to do this on my own, and, and you need to have respect for that too. Because we all have to try to do things for ourselves, because it keeps us 
same. So rather than just stepping in and doing what you think needs should be done, just ask the person, can I help you? What do you mean? How can I help? Do you guys know how curls are made? I just love curls. I, I love diving too. I love it all. I love it all, but I love making curls. Do you know how curls are actually made? Well, let me tell you. Curls are created in the bed of lizards. And I learned something new today, actually. I learned that curls can also be formed in clams and mussels, but it is much more rare. The majority of all curls are found in that of lizards. So lizards are a type of mollusks, and they really don't do anything. They're just there finding their own business. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this tiny piece of food or sand or something from the ocean bed slips into the oyster and settles on the ocean bed. And it's a lot like if a virus invades the human body. It knows that that thing, whatever it is, it's not supposed to be there. So, the body of the oyster creates a protein-like substance that is actually the same substance that creates the oyster's shell. And it slowly comes up and covers this substance, this object that has invaded the oyster's bed. Because the oyster's like, I don't like you, go away, you're hurting me. It's not comfortable. So, this substance comes over this poor object, and it is layer after layer of natural-like substance covers the foreign object that has penetrated the walls of this until finally the oyster can't feel this particle that is inside it because that particle is covered by layers of layers of this mucus like substance that protects the oyster for four hours yet. It is a time consuming process, but the end result is two things. You have a happy blister that doesn't have any four objects bothering it anymore. And you have a beautiful shiny world that would have never been there if it wasn't for that four object. Likewise, if we look at how diamonds are made, now diamonds are formed when for them is exposed to extreme high temperature and extremely high pressures. So on its own, carbon is carbon. I mean, it's not anything special about it. It's just a lot. And then you 
Okay, I'm very, very high temperatures and very extreme pressure and a beautiful garden is for. How amazing is that? And that's a lot like how perseverance is. You have to push yourself to the extreme to find out what you are made of. And life is not always easy and when the ships are down, sometimes you just have to grow ahead and say, you know, I'm just going to stay here in my little corner and I don't want anybody to bother me. I'm just going to settle for where I'm at. But growth comes from perseverance. And that the entire reason for the whole of this earth is to grow and achieve and learn from each other. And we didn't do that if we stayed there and stayed in the same place. Now, where does the whole relying on others come into play? Well, for those of us who are disabled, we have to rely on others so much more than anybody who doesn't have a disability. And it is a struggle. It is hard, and in my case, I rely on people 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help me with every part of life. And sometimes it is hard, and it's difficult being around it all the time. Sometimes people have bad days, sometimes I have bad days, sometimes people fall out. And that's hard. Sometimes people just don't show up and quit. Sometimes people let me down. And that is an unfortunate part of life that the special needs and disabled community deal with. But I would rather rely on people and have a better quality of life and have a much more independent and beautiful life than I would if I didn't arrive or people and just sat in my room all day. But it has always been sort of a balancing act between knowing that I need help from other people and relying on other people that still knowing when they need to hang back and let me do my own thing. So I just wanted to share some of my personal experiences with perseverance and also relying on others. So growing up, you know, I was never taught that I was different, which I think is so important for every parent of disabled children. Your child is only as disabled as you allow them to be. And I realize that, that might sound crazy or a little harsh, but it's so true. Because my parents never told me that I wouldn't be able to do anything. I knew that I was different, but I was never openly taught 
just played that I was in a different United Bodies else. And it was always taught to me that I could do anything anybody else could. I would do it differently, maybe, but I would do it just like anybody else. And I remember a story of when I was about seven years old, and I was being a little bratty child, driving my wheelchair into the world. That hurt this, mind you. And my mother said, you her don't do that. And I started mocking her. And she got me out of that wheelchair and straight my heart in. And we had a visitor at the time, Miss Amanda Humphreys. And she could not believe that my mother just thanked me. And my mother looked at her and said, No, you look at me like that. I will treat her just like any other kid. And so that was how I was raised. I was raised that I was just like any other child. I would grow up to do amazing things just like any other adult would. And I was expected to excel just like any other child. And I proved myself. And so when people treated me different, yeah, it was very frustrating. And I remember when I was in the third grade, I had a teacher who was not very nice, and she did not like me. And I'm really not sure why, but from the first day in, she just had it out forever. And it came time for us to have our class play because in our school, every grade felt on a class play. And it was usually on Shakespeare or something similar to that. And so the time rolled around for us to do our third grade class play. And my teacher left me out completely. And I did not understand. After she had designated to everyone else in our class but me, I asked her why did I have a heart? And she said, because nobody will understand you. And when I was younger, I was harder to understand than I am now. But I still didn't give her a right to exclude me from our class play. And I was devastated, and everyone in my class, one by one, went up to the teacher in front of me and said, if ever isn't in the class play, I will not be in the class play either. And after the entire class split the play, because I wasn't in it, she changed the Parts and gave me a part in the play. It was a small part. I was the sign holder, <laughs> but I was happy just to have a part in the play. And 
I told her it's on, but it was nobody's business. But that would have never happened if I hadn't relied on my classmates and friends to step up and stand up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself. But growing up, having to rely on people to take care of me was always a challenge, even from the time that I was probably 10 years old. And my first nurse quit because she wanted me to sit beside her in class, and I said, no, I want to sit beside my friend. And she didn't like that, and so she quit. And it's always been this constant battle of, I want to do this myself, I don't want you, but actually, I need you. Can you help me? And it's very hard. And I'm still learning, I still make mistakes, I still have to build right here every some days and say, I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day, I'm sorry I was not patient with you, I'm sorry I got frustrated. But I'm just having an off day. I'm still learning. I'm still navigating my way through living with 24-hour care. But I'm a lot better than I used to be. I've had a lot of people take advantage of me in several ways. I've been stealing from people have stolen everything from medication to money and everything in between. And that's been very hard because when you get hurt, you automatically want to close yourself off and not let anybody in. I don't have that luxury. And people with severe physical disabilities do not have that luxury. We have to rely on other people to take care of us every single day. And it's not always easy. But I have had so many beautiful relationships that have come out of relying on people, whether it's from PA camp or nurses in Cecil County, Maryland, or nurses from Kittering, North Carolina, where I used to live there, I have made friendship that would have never happened if I wasn't put in the position that I am in, where I have to rely on other people. And a beautiful thing happens when you open yourself up and you allow yourself to really rely on people is that oftentimes they will in turn rely on you in a bond will form because of that that isn't like any other. When it comes to perseverance, I thought I've always been a combat kid, so to speak. I've always seen the last attackable. Uh, I've always been very optimistic in life. And when I was 21, 
it was actually the day before Mother's Day. I had surgery on my jaw, and they broke my jaw in eight places, both the top and lower jaws, and to put them back together using titanium screws and rods. And they did that because my mouth never grew the way it was supposed to, and it was very hard to understand me, and it was also difficult for me to swallow my food. But also, the reason that I wanted the surgery so desperately was because I hated the way that I looked. And that probably sounds really vain to some of you. And if it does, then it does. But I always had my mouth just hanging open and I would constantly have little kids up to me, not meaning anything cool, but saying, why is your mouth like that? It really bothered me. It had bothered me my entire life. And I had asked every dentist that I knew if they could help me. And all of them had always said, no, it's too risky, we can't help you, we can put braces on you, but that's about all we can do. And the Lord sent me to an oral surgeon for a completely unrelated issue. And when I was seeing him, my mom brought up the fact that I had always wanted to do surgery on my mouth and asked if it could help. And, and he said, it will be very hard and a long process, but if you would like me to reset your jaw, I will do it. And I said, yes, yes. Not realizing at the time how intense the entire process would be. There was a lot of preparation leading up to that surgery. I had to have braces for the second time in my life. I had to have hot stands and a 3D replica of my soul was made. And this was a very serious surgery because if they missed, they could kill me. There's a lot of nerves in the jaw and they had never done anything like this before. They actually wrote about me in the Journal of Medicine somewhere. I have not read it, but I'm in there. And we finally had everything in place so that we could do the surgery. They flew in the top surgeons from around the country and did the surgery. It was eight hours long and like I said, they broke both of my cells in eight places and put everything back together the correct way. And leading up to that surgery, I I was young, I was 20 years old, I didn't realize how painful this surgery was going to be. And I can't even blame my doctor, because he had never done this surgery or anybody else before. So he didn't know how painful it would be either. But I remember getting out of surgery and just being in 
such excruciating, agonizing pain. I felt like my entire head was on fire, and it did not matter how much pain medicine they gave me, it was never enough. And I remember sitting in Dr. Hook's office one day, just sobbing, because I was in so much pain. And he had to look at me and say, there's nothing else I can give you. I'm sorry. And that was one of the hardest times in my life, because I didn't know how long this pain was going to last. Nobody had a timeline of recovery. And at the time, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Everything was dark. I couldn't move at all. If I had to be transferred, I had to have one person hit me up and the other person hold my head. Because if my head moved at all, it would shoot these... The only way that I can describe it is electrical shock through my jaw. And it was so painful. And I was very depressed. Not because I hated life, just because when you're in so much pain and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, the depression sets in. Because all you can see all around you is pain that will end. And I've experienced that multiple times in my life, unfortunately, but this is definitely one of those times. And I sort of just gave up. I wanted to lay in bed, don't touch me, don't hurt me, I'm so miserable, and in so much pain, I just want to lay here and cry. And so that happened for about a week, I would say. And finally, my mother came down to my apartment in my room and said something that I did not want to hear, but something that I needed to hear. She said, you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get out of this bed, get a shower, get up, and get a little living. And I yelled and screamed and said, you don't understand. And she said, you're right, I don't understand, but you cannot let this beat you. You need to get up. Do something with yourself. I don't care what it is. Do something. And so me and her had a little yelling match. And she left. And I was very upset. But about a half hour later, I let her work sit in to my heart. And said, okay, let's get up. And so that day, I got out of bed. I took a shower. I got in my wheelchair. And I had to do something. Do you know what I did? I made some shit like this. <laughs> and it was the silliest thing to do, but I did it. And I felt heartless that I had done something that day. And so every day after that, I would do the same thing. I would get up, I'd take a shower, get up in my chair. And today we are cooking dinner. Or today we are making a pie. Him, I couldn't even taste anything or smell. I had no sense of taste or smell for months, and I was in such agonizing pain, but I still just kept moving, because if I could keep my mind active, I could make it through this. Because as long as the mind has something to focus on, you can make it through anything, I hear it tell you. I have learned myself, and I'm going to tell you, you can make it through anything, but you have to train your mind not to focus on the negative. Don't focus on the pain. In fact, one night, 
I was sitting in the office crying, and I pulled out my computer, and I was always, I always on my computer, and I made a list, and I still have that list today, I actually saved it, and I looked at it from time to time, and it's two lists side by side, the first one is a list of everything that sucks, and on the other side, all of my blessings. And my blessings, I don't know how much pain I'm in. My blessings have and will always outnumber the amount of things that suck in my life. And I use that list and I would read it. And I would read over this list every single day. And it helped me because I realized that even though life is hard, I have so many blessings. I have people that love me. I have a life that some people never had the opportunity to live. And it humbled me. And it gave me the strength that I needed for sure. And every day, I would get up. It hurt like H-E-L-L. But every day, I would get up and do something. But if anything that I could possibly think of, I would do it. Even if it was just one small thing. And months went by, I was still in pain. Months went by, I was still in pain. One day, six months later, I woke up and I didn't have pain. And it was just like the cloud opened up and I could finally breathe a sigh of relief because God had seen me through. God had given me the strength. Yeah, I mean, he also gave me an amazing support system. My mom and dad was loading me up in the van, and we were just ill for a drive. It didn't matter where, we were just drive, because I had to get out of the house. I had to get out of my head. I had to focus on anything, anything that was outside of myself. And so that was how I was able to persevere through that devastating time of pain. But I couldn't have done it alone. I couldn't have done it without relying on my family, my nurses, people that came alongside me and supported me. I had an amazing doctor who saw me at my worst and at my very best. I couldn't have done it without them. And that's why it is so crucial for everybody, but especially those who have disabilities, to have a support system that you can rely on, to have a friend that you can reach out to and say, hey, I need help. I'm really struggling. We were not made to live this life alone. In fact, in First Corinthians, God is talking about how the body of Christ, which is all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we make up the body of Christ. And First Corinthians 12, 36 says, If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. That means that when somebody is suffering, that everybody who loves them is suffering too. And whenever something wonderful happens to them, it happens to the support system too. Because we all have to rely on one another in this life. This life is hard enough without having to do it alone. And there's another story in Luke 5 that talks about a man who was paralyzed. And Jesus at the time was preaching at different houses and places. And he was at this house preaching on a particular day. And there was this paralyzed man 
and he had four friends who were determined that they were willing to lay their friend at the feet of Jesus because they knew that Jesus would heal their friend. And they put their friends on sort of a pedestal so that they could carry him through the crowds. And they finally got to this house where Jesus was preaching, and it was hot. Nobody would let them through with their friend. They didn't care that their friend was disabled. Everybody was trying to get a glimpse of Jesus for themselves. It was every man for themselves. But this paralyzed man and his friends would not take no for an answer. So what did they do? They hoisted their friend up onto the roof of this house where Jesus was in. And they made a hole in the roof and lowered their paralyzed friend so that he was directly in front of Jesus Christ himself. And that day, Jesus healed that paralyzed man, and he walked away fully healthy and never needed that night ever again. But that would have never happened if that paralyzed man and his friend did not persevere and figure out a way to lay him at the feet of Jesus to be healed. And that paralyzed man had to rely on those four men to help him. And they did not let him down. We live in a society that values self-reliance above all else. If you rely on other people, you are thought of as weak. Musicians like Miley Cyrus, who, by the way, I can't stand, but anyway, are singing songs about how you don't need anyone else. You can only depend on yourself. In fact, in Miley Cyrus's latest song called Flowers, some of the lyrics I want to read for you. She says, I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing. I can hold my own hand. Yeah, I can love me better than you the problem with self-reliance is it is self-focused on yourself. We are always thinking about ourselves. Me, me, me. What can I do for myself? How can I make myself happy? I'm the only person that matters. That is not okay. And that's not how life is supposed to be lived. And the truth is, yes, if you open yourself up and become vulnerable with people, there are people that are willing to let you down in life, but there are also people who will love you for who you are and accept you and embrace you and will always be there for you. And those are your people that you can rely on for fit and thin. And the truth is that pride and ego have helped people back and destroyed more relationships than any disability ever has. And we all need each other in this life. That's how it grows and learns. And if you have a disability and you have to rely on people more than others, there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel like you're less than anybody else just because you have to rely on people that take care of you. And on the opposite spectrum, if you are not disabled, don't think that you have to be so strong and you have to be self-sufficient. You can still have a small community of people that you rely on, or you can even be someone that another person can rely on. You can be both. You're not mutually exclusive. 
The hope that I'm trying to make is that Romeo is an island, and if we are aliens anywhere in life, it's a lot easier if we do it together than if we do it alone. So I am just going to wrap this up now. Thank you for listening to my rant and my host for today. I hope you have learned something. I hope we can all benefit from relying on one another because it makes life a little easier and a lot more beautiful. So I will let you go for now. Once again, if you would like to support this podcast financially, there will be a link in the about section. If not, that is okay. I still love you. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye now.